0: currently in Barcelona any chance you are going to bring Leo back with you well
1: I'd heard there's this chap I go to Barcelona every year but I I, you know I have no idea it's called Lionel can't be any good can he yes I'm uh, I'm currently on the continent not doing any scouting unfortunately and actually for the second year in a row Barcelona are playing away so I I didn't get to see them this year are
0: you going to go and see Espanol instead
1: Uh, well I, I looked into going to see Espanol but it is like they've got this new stadium so they're obviously trying to pay for it it was like 50 euros a ticket for Banyal. it doesn't seem worth it
0: somehow does it hey before we uh, before we get on with the business of the day Bilbao have announced that the tickets to see them if you want to go and travel to Bilbao and, and watch United play in the UEFA Cup the Europa League even it's going to be 79 euros for a ticket in the away end cheap at twice the price.
1: Yeah, it's utterly insane. And and there's me praising Bilbao last week for being a community-owned club and, and an interesting policy, fascinating history with Bilbao, one of the oldest teams in Spain. And there they are, trying to cash in on a big club coming. Why Why is it this happens all the time, doesn't it? Little clubs are. Oh, little clubs like Chelsea and other little clubs like, like Chelsea and jack up their prices when Manchester United fans come into town. Just because United has got loads of money, do, do they think that Manchester United fans Have loads of money. I suppose it's just supply and demand. There's always a huge demand for United away tickets, isn't there? But it's still pretty disgraceful.
0: Yeah, it's thoroughly unfortunate. Of course, we learned the lesson from the Wire that when you have a product with an inelastic demand, you can charge whatever you want for it, and that's what it is, isn't it? You know, you'd have to get to an incredibly high price before you don't fill the United away end a- at what point though do the supporters have to just say you know what we're just not going to buy this ticket we're just not going to pay that much to go and see football
1: well about about now I'd say yeah 79 quid's way over way way over the top for the quality of fixture that it is. I mean Bilbao are a good side but they're not one of the main attractions in Europe this is decent competition but it's not one of the main competitions in Europe so you know we're talking a, a second rank competition second rank side and and top tier prices so that's that's no good for anyone really, is it?
0: No, I mean it's of course only just a little bit less than was being charged for the final of the Champions League last season at Wembley. One team that I have no idea how much they charged us For uh, Our away tickets was the away trip to Carrow Road. Delia Smith, no doubt, expert hospitality. I'm sure the prices were entirely reasonable. A very, 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 very odd game, really. I mean, I I, I predicted a scrappy draw in that game, and we very, very nearly got it, but fortunately, Ryan Giggs stepped up at the last minute to get one of those really dramatic, undeserved winners that we do so well. Uh, It reminded me a lot of uh, Villa away last season, the response from the crowd and everything. That that was coming back from 2-0 to draw, 2-all. And this was, we went 1-0 up. Obviously, skulls scored early on and it was a, a magnificent moment, the skulls goal, because after he knocked the ball out wide, I saw him just dart towards the box in a way that he just doesn't do that often. And I was like, oh, that's exciting. And then moments later, yes! But of course, going 1-0 up in the first five minutes is not necessarily brilliant for this particular Manchester United side, who do have a tendency to sit back.
1: I had a very strange experience watching this game because I was actually stuck in meetings all day on. On a Sunday it's a disgrace I tell you but uh, I was I was in meetings on Twitter following it on Twitter so uh, which is you get a very real-time view of what's happening pretty exaggerated one but yeah it's so uh, basically the game went for me uh, kickoff oh yeah everything's wonderful oh god aren't we rubbish this is rubbish god how bad oh no this is even worse when Norwich scored and then then, then, yes Ryan Giggs and I I guess that was the summary of the match as well I asked people to tweet me their 140 character summary and and that was pretty much it
0: yeah I think you just read my my 140 character summation basically verbatim there Um, there's been some debate about the middle period of that game and the the word complacency was used an awful lot I I used the complacency at man united 24 an excellent blogger Right on man united 24 wrote a piece about how united were not complacent just that norwich were quite good and united are not that good and i think there's some truth in that argument but the sheer urgency and quality of football that we min- managed to string together in the last five minutes of the game leading up to the goal shows that actually there was something going on because there was nowhere near that level of urgency in united's play from say about the 20th minute to about the 85th minute i think there was some tactically interesting. Interesting things going on. Carrick and Scholes did not have the freedom of Norwich in the way that they'd had the freedom of Liverpool and the freedom of Manchester uh, recently. Although Scholes managed to have another excellent game and Carrick once again hit the 100 pass club. Our formation worked extremely well when we were in possession and not, not necessarily when we were counter-attacking but when when we had periods of possession. It, it It's obviously a, t- a team with a heartbeat of Carrick and Scholes is obviously set up to get goals out of effective passing. You know what I mean? That's that's how we're going to generate chances. But it did mean that when... Norwich were on the ball we were quite overrun in midfield and having Everett left back and Phil Jones at right back meant that Norwich were able to get a lot of joy down the wings because you know defending is not necessarily the best qualities that you think of when you think of Everett left back and Phil Jones at right back
1: it's a good point a debate I was having with a Twitter user today and of course I'm having this debate blind because I've only seen highlights of the game about whether and because I'd said on last week's podcast that someone um who presses a midfield with Skulls in the two would get quite a lot of joy and uh, he was debating whether that was in fact true or not given that both Skulls and Carrick had outstanding pass completion stats in the game which they did it's a, but, but I think you made a very good point though it's not it's not necessarily about the uh, any kind of debate about whether Skulls and Carrick can pass the ball and pass it accurately of course they can but when they're in a two uh, although Carrick covers a lot of ground he's not exactly a dynamic midfielder and, and Skulls doesn't cover that much ground anymore and this is boring that in the data and it becomes a problem and there's also you know, no destructive force there so I'm not talking from a, a position of experience about the Norwich game because I think watching highlights in Spanish it gives you quite a false impression of the game but but it's certainly a pattern that's repeated itself before so it doesn't surprise me if that was the case this time
0: I have to say it was the case but not so much you know um, they they weren't overwhelmed when we were in possession of the ball as I say uh, in the way that I've seen them be before it's kind of it's kind of interesting really Skulls looks transformed actually by his six months off because he's not just doing what he was still doing well last season his games definitely got a spark that six months rest as as obviously as it would for a player whose career has been as long as his who's put as many hours into those legs as he has to have six months off really has made a difference and he looks a lot more energetic and he's he doesn't cover as much ground as he did when he was 25 obviously but he I would say that it looks to me that he's covering more ground this season than he did when he played last season. He definitely looks fresher.
1: Of course, that's not something that can continue, right? Although, no, absolutely. You know, a short season this season, I would suspect that Ferguson will try and push him into to staying at the club. And we, we talked a couple of weeks ago about, uh, I, I suspect that will probably happen this time. And and Ferguson's certainly not going to get any kind of huge amount of money for the transfer market in the summer. So there will be pressure both from Ferguson to do it because, I mean, look, factually, Scoles has, has started or played in pretty much every game since he came back, hasn't he? So he's become a key member of the team again.
0: It's really incredible. If we win the league this season, it's going to be in absolutely huge part to do with the fact that Paul Skulls came out of retirement, which, you know, I know... <laughs> Neither of us predicted that he would be playing this much football. We thought it was a kind of emergency cover move, basically. But no, it's... Right, but he's actually come back and, yeah, become a key player. Talking of key players, what a performance. You, you didn't see the game, which is a real shame because I know you've been definitely not on the side of the De Haters. De Gea with a phenomenal second man-of-the-match performance in a row. Just brilliant. Not not just good stop, shot-stopping this time, though. Also, really dominant control over the six-yard box against a a very big unit up front in Grant Holt just just really remarkable and and you know caught when he would have punched in the past and just just and also did make a couple of excellent saves uh, not not a fault at all I don't think for the goal uh, and and a worthy man
1: of the match mm, no it's nothing he did that went straight in the top corner yeah I, I, so they had a they had a little piece on the, the hair on the on the, the Spanish TV channel I was watching, and it it, my Spanish being a little bit rustier than it used to be, so it went uh, something along the lines of, "Eh, (laughs) big unit, (laughs) or something like that. El grande (laughs) unito. <laughs> it really didn't, but but they had a little focus on him, and from the brief highlights I saw, he did very well, and that's certainly the consensus of uh, both the media and the Twitter communities. El Keeper del Gol, Wolverino that's, that's... <laughs> Yeah, I know. He's looking more like Chewbacca or some kind of Wookiee type character by the week, isn't he? He's, he's really becoming slightly overwhelming, but it's working. So I, I think he shouldn't try and trim his beard until he has another bad game, because uh, there's something got into the hair's juice at the moment. Because he's ever since he's come back. Into the team since uh, Lindergaard got injured, he's been absolutely fantastic.
0: You know, um, in American sport, they have like a playoff beard. He he's got a uh, Lindelof's injured beard. He's he's not going to shave until Lindergaard's fit again.
1: Well, I think I think well, footballers are suspicious, aren't they? And uh, I'm pretty pretty suspicious about this. It's working. Don't change it. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the whole issue about complacency
0: and and I don't I don't even know if complacency is the right word. It, it was a really peculiar game. It, it, it ebbed and flowed in a very odd way. And momentum kept shifting back and forth. For large periods of the time, Norwich was just completely on top of the game. If it had ended one all, it would have been in no way, shape or form unfair. In fact, if Norwich had nicked it at the end, it probably wouldn't have been an unfair unfair reflection of how the how the game actually went down. But on the other hand, we did look threatening from counter-attacks. And Nanny had a, a really mixed game again. He, he, an assist, a vital assist for the, the opening goal, then some excellent play, and then, you know, lots of wasteful play as well giving the ball away in counter-attacks, going for over-elaborate passes when we really desperately needed to take the pressure off by keeping possession of the ball for a while. And there's a room... Right, yeah. The the rumours are going around that he's asking for a huge amount of money in, in a new contract. And whilst... His statistics continue to be excellent, you know, assists and not not maybe quite as so much goals this season, but but plenty
1: of assists and he is a difficult player to assess, isn't he? He is still inconsistent. He's inconsistent between games, within games. You uh, you don't know what the end product is going to be from him because actually you don't know whether he's going to cross or shoot or cut inside and go outside, and that's all great actually. But when when uh, his teammates need something that they can't decide, uh, the quality is inconsistent, so he can. And hit the corner flag just as well as he can hit the top corner ditto with the crossing as well and and for, for all those reasons and and also the faults with some of the side of his defensive play as well although that has definitely improved hasn't it over the last couple of seasons but but for all those reasons you can't put nanny in the the top bracket place, even though he's got bags and bags and masses of talent i mean if you think about all the stuff he can do but what we do we were talking in the, the 130 000 pound a week plus range now part of that is nanny's improved performances since he last signed the contract um, and of course we're, we're just guessing about those those financial figures part of it is also the Rooney effect right because Rooney's huge contract has just uplifted everybody and we've seen that with some of the the smaller contracts the third tier of players people like Smalling and Cleverly, and so on so well they could sell him but but they'd still be in the same boat in that they would be trying to buy a replacement at large amounts of money for large wages as well it's just inflation in the, the market and The the effects of financial fair play haven't really been felt yet, especially at the top end of the market, which is the one that United don't normally shop at. It's uh, not to get onto a big glazenomics rant, but you would definitely start worrying if United not only didn't shop at the top end of the market, but couldn't afford to keep players who are at the, not even the top end of the market, but, you know, near enough it. So it'll be it'll be, it'll be interesting. But, you know, he's clearly, him and his agent are pushing for a new contract now.
0: In fact, we had a question at S H underscore JH7 asking if the right offer came in for Nanny in the summer, would you sell him? And I think the problem with selling Nanny even for good money is replacing him because however inconsistent he is in terms of moment, the moment-to-moment play on the field, he's extremely consistent when it comes to putting up numbers, you know. That there's no inconsistency over the last few seasons of, of Nani's overall impact on the squad. So a lot of goals come out of Nani. A lot of, a lot of
1: goals, a lot of assists. Yeah, it, no, totally. It's he's uh, he's become a very important player for United, and a he's still extremely frustrating. You know, this is not Cristiano Ronaldo. But but then again, he won't be getting Cristiano Ronaldo wages. Yeah, and, and you know, apart from
0: you know, it's a weird thing to say. Apart from Leo Messi, no one is Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, that's all. Weird existentialist concept there, but you know Cristiano Ronaldo is a one-off in in the world of football. There's
1: there's nobody like him. And since we're talking about him, fine goal at the weekend. I'm sure everyone's seen the uh, somewhat outrageous backheel. There's few players who'd even bother trying that, and the the power he managed to generate as a result was uh, quite remarkable.
0: I like the fact the goalkeeper doesn't even dive because he's just like I really wasn't expecting that. You know, my synapses are not going to fire quickly enough to deal with what's just happened. You know, the ball's in the back of the net before anyone's worked. Out that Cristiano Ronaldo has just backheeled it from about eighteen yards out. Well, twelve yards.
1: It was it was a brilliant goal. I mean, I, I have to say he, he kind of irked me with his celebration, which was the kind of you know chest thumping, look at me type thing that that Cristiano does. But that's him, you know. I I, I kind of I kind of think if he didn't have that extreme arrogant streak, he just wouldn't have tried something like that. You, you have to have a, a huge amount of self belief to 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 even do something like that because most players I think would be afraid of looking. Ridiculous. Which you would do if you completely flat. So up.
0: whether or not United were complacent, one thing's for sure: when they went one nil up, they definitely didn't attack with the same intensity that they would have done if they hadn't been one nil up. And obviously, the the same thing happened against Ajax in the previous match. So it's all it's all very current. This. Yeah. And it is something that that's in this current squad. And and it's interesting. Okay, so two goals: one from skulls, one from gigs. Clearly, the old guard are ki- are still absolutely vital to United. And, and and it was Giggs who was kind of busting a gut to get into the six-yard box in the ninetieth minute. But but the whole team when when they when when Norwich equalised, the whole team did you know find that Manchester United spirit again, and and they've done it a few times this season. They've they've found that they're in a Man United player, but they they don't have the same dominance, a kind of attitude of dom- dominance that great United teams of the past have had, the recent past.
1: Well, yeah, I, look, I I don't know if it's complacence this season, but I, I I do think you can use that. It is a good word, and it's a football cliche but it's a good word to describe quite a lot of performances we've seen this season against smaller sides and it's mainly it's happened in Europe hasn't it I mean basically there have been eight very average performances in Europe against sides that United should be beating and and a lot of it's felt like they were complacent performances because the individual performances of players and in fact the manager as well have felt like they took the other side uh, in a you know in a bit of a lightweight fashion now did that happen against Norwich I don't know because i haven't seen the game yet which it doesn't help of course uh, but but also it sounds like that's the feeling that a lot of people got now i said this before earlier this season i don't think united are good enough to be complacent and that's a real problem and and it there's i there's two things i kind of think about this what one has fogey got it yet because he's he's been so strong in this is a great side you don't know what you're talking about I, i'm perfectly happy with my squad uh you, you know you're criticizing me it's just the media out to get us sort of thing and 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 i kind of always felt that that's just ferguson saying that because he doesn't want to show any kind of chink in the armor but does he actually believe it because if he does believe it then it's getting through to the squad that yeah they're unbeatable and again very fine line between giving the players that super confidence and uh, and then believing it and th- and if they're not good enough then that's going to cause problems and maybe that's that, maybe that's the case I hope it doesn't cost United and clearly it nearly did at the weekend and it says an awful lot not about not only about the quality in United's side but about the characters that it's Giggs and Sculls that scored those goals you know Sculls busting a gap to get into the box when when uh, at age 87 or whatever he is these days he he should be just standing in the centre circle and, and Giggs, who's nearly 40, coming up with almost the last kick of the game and he really did sprint for that and uh, took it with his wrong foot and squeezed it in about a three-inch space at the near post there and uh, really quite remarkable and showed massive mad design. I loved the celebration as well. Uh, He went mental, Phil Jones went mental, the fans went mental.
0: Yeah, and every other United player ran up and started going mental as well. Okay, so huge credit obviously to Giggs and Scholes but also the more contemporary face of Manchester United played a huge part in both goals and the second goal an excellent, excellent cross from Ashley Young Who had his best little spell in in his substitute appearance against Norwich That he's had for, for a little while since, since he started succumbing to that ankle injury a little while ago um, A decent cameo from Ashley Young with with an excellent assist to cap it off And yeah, brilliant to see Giggs go completely mental on his 900th appearance I mean, you know, it's ridiculous, isn't it? The, the, the fate and destiny and the, the great epic space that football exists where it's like oh yeah it was obviously written you know the player comes back to his old club and scores the player is in the paper for all the wrong reasons and scores the winner at the weekend and gigs you know 900th appearance 90th minute winner at the age of 999 you know it's just incredible stuff
1: Uh, it it was uh, as the cliche goes uh, in the script wasn't it so he had to score and for it to be in the last minute and against Norwich one of the I don't know if it was the first club he scored against I'm pretty sure that's actually not true I do see it tweeted but uh, one of the first goals he scored for United and uh, and a perfect day for Ryan Giggs I mean 900 games is a remarkable feat and and it, I think it's not just a it's just a huge number of games uh, which which will actually include caps is is approaching a thousand now not just that it's the fact that he's played in an era when the intensity is greater than it ever was and the off the field temptations are great you know with media focus and and all of that and uh, somehow he's managed to keep himself in great shape he's been lucky in recent seasons that he hasn't got a lot of injuries obviously when he started he got all those hamstring injuries imagine how many games he might have played if he hadn't had all those hamstring injuries so yeah great stuff really really great stuff and, and almost peerless in, in terms of his longevity well I,
0: I mean not really almost peerless right I mean him and Bobby Charlton and that's it basically right yeah and pa- Paolo Maldini had 902 games for AC Milan he was alright I suppose he, he was decent if you yeah. like that sort of thing before we move off the Norwich game uh, talking about tactics and, and United's performance and gigs in fact he started his 900th game on the left wing you know totally standard why not why not play a 900 year old man on the left wing but actually United and, and Chicharito and Welbeck played together and, and you know we talked about this over the last few weeks on the podcast and Chichi's first touch is, is heavy and that there are problems with his build up play no problem at all with his uh, clinical finishing of course and Welbeck Welbeck had an okay game but but not brilliant missed one very good chance near the end of the game a free header from six yards out but United definitely improved when Fergie made the switch and Giggs came central not into the centre of midfield but in the hole behind Welbeck um, and Young was on the left, Nanny was on the right I think still at that point and, and that looked that looked really effective and I think you know United's two most important attacking players of recent times neither of them were playing and I think it's really important to point out that that 2-1 win was scraped without Wayne Rooney and without Antonio Valencia and I think given what a tough side Norwich are and how well they're doing and how good they've been at home it's an enormous three points and I would have absolutely Absolutely bitten your hand off for three points uh, kind of in a scrappy fashion and especially like oh yeah it's a, it's a huge bonus to get that massive momentum boost and and you know again once again Roberto Mancini sitting watching the game at home you know feet up on the sofa and just like oh my god what do we have to do United are like a monster in a in a 1930s horror film you just keep hitting over the head but it never dies you know
1: yeah it's keeping the pressure on the City for sure and and we don't know whether the City are going to crack again that's that's the thing i mean they had their difficult period with players away at the africa cup of nations and david silver injured and and will they go through another blip are they likely to drop more points well you, you certainly think points will be dropped and Ferguson always says this that points will be dropped during running United will certainly drop points even though actually really our toughest game of the season the the city fixture aside is coming up next weekend so but I'm sure there will be a, a few twists in this but it's there's only one game in it and that, that's pretty crucial I mean I saw some press today saying it, it's Manchester City's to lose and uh, the only way that City won't win the title is if they blow it and that's just ridiculous that's ridiculous not only is it ridiculous because United still have to go to Eastlands where we can definitely win uh, but but it, there's really only one draw in it so you know, United have to win games like that and I, I know you said I'd bite the hand off if offered the three points before the Norwich game that's certainly true we Norwich doing well in the, the table and a tricky looking fixture And but it's also true that United have to go and win those kinds of games now and uh, I mean it's cost us in the past hasn't it in recent seasons I and mean, we remember draws at Blackburn and that kind of thing uh, that, have, that have really cost us and, and especially with those kind of two games lost over the Christmas period against Blackburn and Newcastle it's it's really reduced the margin and Paul Scarbs was talking to about how United have to basically go and win try and, you know win every game now and, and there's very little margin for error and he's, he's kind of right about that because City on a good run they do have the advantage in that derby coming up and that could of course swing the title their way if they were to win that one and United go to Tottenham next weekend and, and that's a really big game yeah
0: but they've still got to play a somewhat resurgent Arsenal and the Chelsea in desperate need of finding a way to become resurgent so you know they've still got some pretty tough fixtures and of course as Ferguson always says they've still got to play us you know it's not so much we've got to still play them they've still got to play us uh, so it's it's, very true. It's, yep. it's 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 ridiculously wide open we, we had a, a question about that, that very subject and whether or not the from at Jack Hawkins 23 whether or not City's current run of form compared to ours who, who's more likely to win the league in the Europa League I, I'll be amazed if we can get it together to win the Europa League given the, the fixture congestions and the fact that as it gets more and more to the business end we'll more and more have to be concentrating on the league and um, I think if we're still if we're still right up there in touching distance to win the league it, it really does lessen our chances of winning the Europa League because he's not going to prioritise
1: it I, I think there's no chance I, I just don't see United winning the Europa League I think you're right I mean this is the round 16 coming up there's an awful lot of games to win the Europa League from here and I, I think although Ferguson says that United are, are going to try and win it I I'm absolutely sure against Bilbao he'll play n- not a s- seriously weakened side with a bunch of kids, but a-, a side that does contain a few players that are either coming back from injury or need a few minutes and stuff like that. And there will be changes. He's going to use his squad. And, and I think if, it, if we were given an option of him using his squad in the Europa League or using it in the Premier League and potentially dropping points, I mean, there's there's just no debate there, is there? So um, I'd rather he did that. And, and the, the the Europa League doesn't... I mean, there's, right, playing Wednesday and Saturday or Thursday... And Sunday shouldn't make any difference but depending on the, when, when the fixture is on that Sunday it can compress preparation time and so that is a real problem I mean the, it barely had three days uh, it was less than three days between between Ajax and uh, Norwich so um, that just that in itself depending on how a fixtures fixture is will mean that Ferguson doesn't doesn't make the Europa League a priority
0: we've had a few other questions on Twitter put out the shout as always and and very kindly people jumped in and asked us some important footballing questions of the day and some not so important not so footballing questions at devils of Mank asked do fish get thirsty i actually did some research on this very top topic a fish do indeed get thirsty freshwater fish drink through their mouths as well as uh, through through their scales they're taking water through their scales and saltwater fish have a system whereby they remove salt from in their system so they can make use of just the water so there you go fish do get thirsty back to football at Doran Solomon asks, first of all, hello, Doran. It's getting to that time when everyone starts to talk about awards. So United player of the season so far. That's a pretty easy one for me. Who, who's yours, Ed?
1: Actually, I, I don't find it, I don't find this an easy question to answer at all because there have been periods when it's been Nemanja Vidic, but obviously he's going to miss the whole of the second half of the season. Can't give him player of the year missing the second half of the season. There, there have been periods that definitely... Infrequent, where Wayne Rooney has been absolutely brilliant, Antonio Valencia has been in stunning form recently, and Michael Carrick's been absolutely outstanding since mid-November, but only since mid-November, so I don't think it's an obvious one at all because there are sort of three or four candidates. No one has put it together for the entire season yet.
0: No, you're absolutely right about that, but on the basis that no one has got it together to get a consistent run of form for the whole season, the longest, most impressive consistent run of form, uh, and perhaps even the most decisive consistent run the form has been been carrick i mean carrick's just just kind of dominated the side uh, from november and and since scholes has come back he's had a partner in crime to work with and that's that's done him good too i think actually when it all comes out in the wash there's going to be a really good shout for paul scholes being the player of the season but but for me for for now he, he, with everything that you've said the one who's excelled for the longest and made the most telling contribution i think has been michael carrick with, with honourable mention for valencia for sure
1: yeah i mean it's, uh, we've talked to- about it on the pod already this season it's a remarkable turnaround for Carrick really the only reason for Michael Carrick not being United's best player of the season in that it really only started in sort of mid November with the Swansea game and and, and perhaps that wasn't his fault because he didn't get much of an opportunity before then did he but it would be really hard to predict before the season that Carrick would have been so good because it looked like his career had gone backwards they've always been big fans of Michael Carrick and and, uh, I thought his contribution as I've said before in his first three seasons with United was immense it died off and it's impossible not to admit that, even if you're a massive Carrick fan, you cannot say his last two seasons were as good as either this season or the, the seasons before, and uh, it's great that he's he's turned it around and he and, and kind of had to, I think, with all the injuries and Wayne Rooney's inconsistent performances and Manjevic's big injury and, and Darren Fletcher's someone had to step up in midfield and, and if just imagine how bad it would be if Michael Carrick hadn't stepped up in midfield and we were still getting kind of flat Carrick performances, it would be an absolute desert, wouldn't it, in the sense Midfield. It's just
0: interesting that a resurgent character has appeared as a sort of bit before the actual resurrection of uh, Paul Skulls, You know, he was a, he was a herald of Skulls, wasn't he? Uh, to use a, a weirdly extended religious metaphor. So, so yeah, I, I guess uh, it's time to talk about uh, the next tough away fixture on the calendar and this one against someone that a couple of weeks ago was being talked about as a potential title contender themselves although that always seemed a little far-fetched but it's a team whose midfield we've described as better than United's on uh, no few, no too few occasions over the last season or two. Tottenham Hotspur led by uh, future England manager Harry Redknapp on the back of a 5-2 shellacking off the Arsenal at the weekend.
1: They really did get a shellacking didn't they? It was uh, pretty humiliating to to be beaten so thoroughly after after being 2-0 up I'm sure Harry Redknapp will not be pleased about that Yet the questions will be asked now about whether this team is now focused and all the questions about the England situation are there still and the FA have obviously taking their time or have already decided and are just going to wait until Tottenham season is over or they have completely collapsed, which might be happening. The football cliche goes, if you play someone who's just got a real beating, it's a dangerous time because they want to have a reaction. But you, you do wonder. United at White Hart Lane, it's a, it's a ground. We had some very good results out. We, we always beat Tottenham, don't we? So all that changed this season. I, I don't know. I think, I think Tottenham will have taken a massive dent to their confidence as a result. Of that. I think it's a really good time to play them.
0: Yeah, especially since Scott Parker very conveniently got himself sent off in the last minute of that game, which was a, a, a wonderful bonus for us because you know in the summer there's a lot of people saying that maybe we should be thinking about Scott Parker and a lot of people being roundly derided for saying that but I think there's no doubt he would have improved United squad this season he's certainly been an enormously influential p- player for Tottenham and he is you know exactly the kind of player you don't want to face that Scholes character too because he'll be all over Paul Scholes obviously I'm um, just in case anyone's getting the wrong end of the stick I am not saying that Scott Parker is better at football than Paul Scholes I'm saying that Scott Parker the AG, is now versus Scholes the AG, is now he's not the kind of opposition that Scholes wants to be up against so so fantastic that he's not going to be available for Tottenham At AtxBurchie uh, asks us should we stick with the 4-4-2 versus Spurs
1: or should we give the potentially impressive looking carrick Skulls jones trio a try um, well I, I don't know whether they're going to they're gonna play three in the centre of midfield for a start so I would think really presumably he's fit and um, unless it, we're being thrown another the curveball on the fitness front which happens uh, Rooney's uh, sore throat will be better uh, we hope by then it must be very sore throat and questions might be asked about what exactly he's been doing to get such a sore throat and um, I assume he'll be back and I assume United will play two up front with uh, Welbeck and Rooney in there and there'll be two midfield which which is it would be an interesting tactical choice I mean Tottenham don't play a traditional four-four-two. they don't really play with three in central midfield as well if, if van der Vaart's fit they'll play him just behind yeah weren't they and and the shape of the sides will be very similar as a result
0: yeah and then it just comes down to personnel and form and performance and all that kind of stuff obviously I mean you say you know it's a, a good time to be facing Tottenham which it, it clearly is I mean we played them earlier in the season and it was a brilliant time to be facing Tottenham because they hadn't got any of the players in that they you know they didn't have by or Parker yet and they've they've made a, a huge difference this season worth noting that Adebayor has maintained consistency at Tottenham longer than he has done since maybe his first season at Arsenal although he apparently did have a good spell at Real Madrid uh, it's interesting I, I, I definitely thought he would have dropped off uh, considerably more by now than he has but you know the Ari Redknapp arm around the shoulder approach is, is sort of tailor-made for for Adebayo I think
1: uh, apparently so yeah I, I guess his his ego needs that kind of thing because uh, he's definitely lost form with I mean Arsenal he had what two good seasons maybe uh, and then it seemed to disappear and uh, he didn't even manage that with City so uh, this is this is definitely the best form Adebay has been in for what, five years or so.
0: Yeah and, and I think I think it started with the loan spell at Real Madrid I think that did, did him a lot of good and he'll definitely definitely be a threat against us but Tottenham are not, not short of threats are they? I mean that there are a good few players in that side that we would have in the United team and that's not been the case at Tottenham much over the last couple of decades really.
1: Yeah, uh, Yes uh, I mean look this is still the best Tottenham team that there's been for some time and, and they've got loads of firepower and, and you have to respect all that but I mean I just I just don't know if United will worry about it that much it's the confidence of beating Tottenham repeatedly over and over again uh, must filter through doesn't it I mean maybe it's just fan speak that one just doesn't feel like uh, they, they cause United many problems these days but I, I think Parker being out is a, is a good one for United for sure because he gives them that steal in midfield them being thumped at the the weekend by Arsenal is definitely a good thing as well uh, United's former uh, it's been patchy of course because if you throw those two games against Ajax into the mix then it's a couple of very average performances there indeed but last minute winning against Norwich is going to be a huge boost to everyone and I think United will go there in great confidence That's not a touch of complacency sneaking in there is it Ed? Uh, yes uh, it is uh, I guess uh, more than a touch of complacency outright arrogance <laughs> no not arrogant just better yeah let's hope Ferguson uh, sorts out any complacency if there is uh, any there I mean you, d- you don't associate that with United sides but maybe that's just because we're normally better
0: yeah, so now we're not better, we're just arrogant. Is that what you're saying? Um, no, I mean, we, we 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 still are, of course, better than everyone in the division, except possibly City, but it's not impossible that we're better than them, you know, as well. That's that's the thing. I mean, Ferguson is definitely the best manager anyway, and, and you know, when it comes to winning titles, we're, we're super experienced. It's interesting to see that City have absolutely kind of just clicked back into nice, seamless form with the return of Yaya Toure to their side. He's, he's such an important... Important player to them isn't he and, and it's no surprise that he's made a big difference coming back not arrogant just better than Tottenham maybe though but you know they are still a very good they, they're, they are a very good side but you know perhaps there's some areas where they, they still need to significantly strengthen perhaps their defence is not is not what it needs to be there's always a worry of course for United when we have to face Brad in goal you can be guaranteed there'll be some spectacular double saves going on
1: he always put, pulls out his best performance doesn't he when, when United come to town it's remarkable how many times he's done I mean, he's, he's just a very good goalkeeper as well but yeah he, uh, he does seem to drink the special juice before uh, United play him but hey, so, I mean normally there's good amount of goals in United Tottenham games, aren't they? I and mean, there certainly have been in a few games in recent years.
0: Yeah, I mean, my, my favourite game ever from when I was a kid was a three-all draw with Tottenham. And it, it, it can be a goal fest, can't it? And there's definitely the, the firepower in both sides to to score a lot of goals this time. It'd be very interesting to see how De Gea does against a better quality of opposition.
1: Yes, yeah, so they one, their light like, does like to play quite centrally and, and doesn't really lump a load of balls into the box. And, and of course, there's, there's probably no Tom Cleverley. Who uh, looks like he's out for a few more weeks or a couple of weeks with this uh, ankle injury? Another ankle injury, though, to his right foot this time, not his left. I don't know whether that's a good thing because it's not a recurrence of the old injury, or a bad thing because now both his ankles are dodgy.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's really unfortunate for him. It's really unfortunate for United. He did look absolutely shattered after that sixty minutes against Ajax the second one and you know it's interesting because because cleverly's obviously a huge hope for a lot of united fans and an enormous talent he's, he's lost a lot of this season to injury and he lost a lot of last season to injury he announced this week that he'd hired a brand consultant to help push the tc23 brand and that was really really bad timing with him getting injured again you know, you can't say that
1: yeah I, I have to say i i find it i find it really hard to like this i mean it feels like a complete representation of modern footballers that are concerned with, with brand first and everything else second and I, I know it's not as simple as that and you know if he's if he's uh playing well for United then what does it matter what else he's doing but but the reality is he's had four and a half good games for United I mean that's that's the truth of it he's and of course a lot of a lot of the the rest of his games have been affected by injury either coming back from injury last couple of games or being injured the Bolton game or being injured again the Everton game or just being out uh, and so not all of that's his fault, but four and a half good games, and uh, suddenly he's a major star, and and uh, he needs a brand consultant to build his brand, and he'll be launching perfumes, and wearing Calvin Klein's, and showing his lunchbox all over the place, and that kind of stuff. You know, Ferguson's not going to like that. I've got to say, I I kind of hope. I always felt that Levey was quite down to earth, but uh, if if he stops being down to earth, Ferguson's not going to like it at all. No,
0: absolutely. I'd like to thank at Mr. Gingerwig, who says that he's identifies himself as one of the ten percent who like the financial side of the podcast and describes it as one of the things that sets us apart from the crowd So thank you very much for that I don't know why I'm thanking you That's I don't understand it It's all it's all Ed And to the, the 90% of you who don't like the word bonds You'll notice that we've been pretty light on the Glazer stuff this, this week Yes, well it's, it's, uh, it's for the
1: 90% of you that don't like the word bonds
0: So I guess it's time to predict what's going to happen in a football match Something that you and I are notoriously terrible at
1: uh, Terrible
0: I, at 3-2 to United Last-minute winner again. There you go. This is a completely ridiculous prediction, but it's possible.
1: Yeah, I think there's going to be some goals. I, th- I think United. United are going to. Why? Why do I suddenly, even though you know I'm, I'm quite happy to be come across as pessimistic on the blog and, and sometimes on this podcast, and I don't think that's actually truth. I think realistic might be a better word. But but as soon as it comes to predicting the scoreline, I cannot help but feel positive about what's going to happen. So I think United are going to win three-one. I think it's going to be comfortable. I, that is, it's not based in fact or evidence or anything like that. It's is it? I just think we're going to beat Tottenham.
0: Oh, talking of based in fact or evidence, at Eton underscore Trey gave me a brilliant tweet on why he's a, a scientist with a background in biochemical engineering and molecular something something something. He gave me some insight into why my theory about gloves is nonsense. But he congratulated me for. Having it be found in founded in in you know sound logic rather than rather than just uh, anti glove based ranting. So apparently apparently I'm not right. I'm still not entirely convinced because you know science meh. But yeah, I, I imagine that this this debate will run and run. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna yeah. As I said, I predict three two win to United. I, I can't believe you think it's going to be comfortable. I don't know what about either us or Tottenham would make you think it's going to be a, a comfortable Comfortable result but I'm glad you do because it's always heartening to hear that kind of cheerful optimism from you
1: yeah well I'm going to have a swing back the other way after we've been tanked at White Hart Lane aren't I
0: <laughs> absolutely so everybody thank you very much indeed for listening uh, once again if you want to get in touch with us at United Rant to get hold of Ed on Twitter at utd rantcast, to get hold of me you can send an email if you're from like the early 2000s to cast at unitedrant.co.uk you can also uh, like United Rant on Facebook and chat to us over over there or you can leave us a nice review on iTunes which is always much appreciated as it helps our iTunes juice and we've had loads and loads and loads of new listeners over the last few weeks so welcome board folks hope you enjoy it
1: and we'll see you next week